Welcome to Talking Tourism, the podcast series created specifically for tourism operators. Talking Tourism, the expert series, is the ultimate resource for business owners who want to lift their skills to the next level. If you want to learn how to be a better tourism operator, listen on. Hello and welcome to Talking Tourism. I'm your host today, Amy Hills, and my day job is as the Director of Strategy, Government and Industry with Tourism Tasmania. Talking Tourism is the podcast series especially for tourism operators and tourism professionals. It's an initiative of the Tourism Industry Council Tasmania, the peak industry body for tourism in our state. And today's episode is supported by the Tasmanian Government. It's all part of a series of podcasts being released every fortnight through the COVID-19 emergency to keep Tasmanian tourism operators up to date with the latest news and developments as it relates to our industry and the support and assistance being made available by the state and federal governments as well as our industry authorities. And also today, we're recording off the back of National Reconciliation Week, and I do want to acknowledge the Tasmanian Aboriginal people, their elders, past, present and emerging, and their enduring custodianship and belonging to these lands, Lutruita, Tasmania. In today's episode, I'm talking with Kim Goods and Paul Seaman, both who are chairs of two of our regional tourism organisations. I'm going to be speaking with both of them about the focus that has been for our regional tourism organisations during COVID-19 and about some of their own personal insights about our industry as we navigate through our future. First up, I'm speaking with Kim Goods, who is the chair of the East Coast Regional Tourism Organisation. Kim is a well-known voice in the Tasmanian community, having been the former CEO of the Tasmanian Council of Social Service and, importantly for our sector, is a member of the Premier's Economic and Social Recovery Advisory Council, set up by the Premier to advise him on recovery from COVID-19. Welcome, Kim. Thanks, Amy. Thanks for having me. So you're a pretty busy individual by the sounds of things. I can't say that moving from my Tascos role into my current work has slowed my life down at all. In fact, in some ways, it's almost the opposite. Mm, oh, I bet. And, and for those listening who might not be familiar with your background, Kim, can you take us through what led you to join and, and lead Tasmania's East Coast Tourism Organisation? Sure. I've been living part-time on the East Coast for about eight or nine years now. And after leaving my full-time CEO role, I now divided my time probably a bit more with the coast as uh, more days per week than I, I am in Hobart. Um, and with the restrictions, I'm now living full-time on the coast until we can move around more freely again. Mm-hmm. And I think really I've seen just the critical nature and contribution tourism brings to the East Coast. It's one of the most dependent tourism regions in the country and so important for local jobs and local people and that local operators really do have a strong regional tourism organisation to take their voice up to government and to make sure that the needs of regional tourism is front and centre. Mm. So prior to COVID-19, what had been the focus and aspiration for the organisation and and the future of tourism in the region? We've been working really hard on industry development and building the capacity of the industry. Um, You know, the coast, like many other parts of Tasmania, 
have a number of quite small operators and quite diverse parts of the tourism sector, um, varying segments. So the focus has really been around ensuring that those operators could be supported to run what they needed to for quality enterprises and to be able to tap into the marketing opportunities that are um, developed through Tourism TAS and also that as small businesses, the Regional Tourism Organisation can obviously offer that sort of level of really systemic understanding and systemic leadership to open up the understanding of contemporary best practices, etc. So, you know, really focusing in on those core areas has been East Coast Tourism's focus for quite a while now. Mm. And then, of course, came along COVID-19. Can you take us through, I mean, you're obviously relatively new-ish to the role. What was it like for you heading up, you know, an, an organisation that was advocating for, for tourism across the coast and you coming, I guess, to some understanding around what COVID-19 would, mm. would mean for that? It was quite fascinating and unnerving both at the same time. I'd been only in the role about two weeks and we had decided, in fact, it was the Friday after the National Tourism Awards where Tasmania had just performed so strongly and I think we were all feeling so proud about you know, just how we performed on that national stage. And the board came together for a full strategic planning session in um, Bishno. So we had the whole board there. We had Luke Martin and Anne Greentree come up and also work with us as we were thinking about what the next three years of our strategy was going to look like. But equally, it was sort of unfolding around us that day. We could really feel that something had significantly shifted in the, you know, the dire sort of emergency around COVID-19. And I I actually think it was almost visual for us. We could almost see this huge storm cloud coming at us on Mm. the horizon. And even though we were trying to stay focused on a three-year plan, it was really, it was becoming quite unnerving even during that day because there were various phone calls coming through. So, look, it is a very challenging time to to think forward and, and understand what the world might look like in three months, six months or two years' time. And that really was coming into the role in a fairly new industry for me certainly challenged all of my my skills in terms of sticking to good strategy and good decision making while also trying to grapple with a range of daily changes. I bet, I bet. So now we know where we are and we're we're on, I guess, starting to talk about recovery now and and we have a, a phased recovery program that we're all working towards. What is the focus for the RTO now mm. on the East Coast as, as we move through that process? Yeah, look, it's a really good question. And I just, you know, in the previous question, talked a bit about my response, but, you know, really the the lifeblood of our organisation is our CEO and the small team that she leads. So Rhonda and Gemma and um, we've also got Ros working with us at the moment on a project. So the focus for them and for the board has really been about listening. So really listening on a daily basis to where the pain points have been for operators and making sure that we can understand and really feed that back up through the initially those daily teleconferences into Tourism Tasmania. That's been really critical to get that quick, timely and accurate information flowing both ways up through into Tourism TAS but also information back out to operators. So, And also just I think really getting 
strong um, shared culture and shared sense that we are in this together and that we're going to work together and come out the other side stronger. Mm. You know, really been a one-stop shop, I think, for local operators and working hard with them to also address some of the things that while they're not open, everything from their, you know, digital capacity and doing audits through to I know many of them are looking at other maintenance and those sorts of things. So we've just really been trying to keep that single focus and that shared focus together. Kim, what have you seen across the coast from your operators right now? Um, in intense adverse adversity challenge, but what stories of resilience and hope have you seen? Look, there's there's no doubt that people are really hurting. This is their livelihoods and for many people it's it's all of their finances, everything, their home is wrapped up in those small tourism businesses. So it's it's pretty emotive and it's very, very challenging. But I think what all Tasmanians know is deep in our DNA is that we're pretty tough people and, you know, we, um, I'm on the Brand Tasmania board and we, we talk about the quiet pursuit of the extraordinary. We've always had to work pretty hard to come out the other side of adversity and I'm, we're really seeing that come well and truly to the surface on the East Coast. Just great examples of people working together, working really hard, diversifying what they did, a really lovely example is actually one of our board members, Ange Boxall, who some may be aware of, a beautiful singer and songwriter and also coordinating some um, events. She's been, Ange has been running every Friday night now. Um, I've and been watching. On, uh, yeah. Yeah, they're great. Isn't it? Yeah. Um, so on a Friday night anywhere in the world, you can curl up on your couch, learn how to mix a a uh, really nice cocktail and listen to Ange playing some songs. And it is just a beautiful, warming way to know that people up and down our coast, but also all over Tassie and potentially um, nationally and internationally, we can come together in different ways and keep each other's spirits high. And I think mm. that um, that's really about the diversification of people's business models, but it's also that strong sense that we will look after each other through this. Yeah, absolutely. Shout out to Ange on that. It's it's a really great innovation. I think she was one of the first I saw coming out with that. So that was really yep, great. She was. Yeah. So look, let's move to your your role in the Premier's Economic and Social Recovery Advisory Council because you're obviously a strong voice for our industry on that. But we we also have Brett Tarossi, who many listeners will be familiar with. How will the the thoughts and insights of the tourism and hospitality industry um, be fed in into that committee as as your work progresses? Well, we're in the first stage at the moment and what we've been doing and including, um, you know, Brett and I making sure that the needs of all industries, but particularly this one, is um, considered is to, um, at the moment, the Secretariat are talking with the range of peak bodies across Tasmania, including in the tourism and the hospitality space. We're also making sure that the appropriate and most up-to-date data is available so that we can make some early quick recommendations to the Premier. So we've got that initial timeframe of June. But I do think the um, great power of having such a group of Tasmanians who are working across all parts of the Tasmanian community is that we can contextualise and really give the first-hand knowledge and accounts of that data. Um, data is very important and evidence 
based decisions will be very important. But it's also really critical, whether it's the tourism industry or any other, to bring that context and the voices of people to to that table so that we can consider that as part of our overall discussions and longer or short-term and longer-term recommendations. So that's part of the role that Brett and I are fulfilling in that regard. It's great to, to have you as part of that committee. And what timeframes? I know the Premier has talked a little bit about when we should expect to see some initial work um, out with the mm. Tasmanian public. So our first two sort of critical milestones or timelines, one is the end of June, so that's quite close and we are really working hard towards that at the moment. We've got another meeting this afternoon and we're meeting weekly um, and that will be to put some initial recommendations through to the Premier The second then is a more structured and open process that will allow for uh, more broader voices outside of just peak bodies. So that's where we will be able to go to the public and ask their views and call for submissions. And in a second report in September, sort of October period, so that that will lead into further recommendations as the Premier's finalising the state budget in November. And then we'll have a longer term, you know, report looking at long term implications and what I would call the long tail that this sort of um, economic and social impact will have left for Tasmania. And so that third sort of um, focus will be that long-term impact. Kim, if, if I can get you to look forward for a moment, and I know it's it's mm. difficult, but that's certainly been your job over time, as you say, to, to keep to the strategy and to, to look at what opportunities come from challenge. If you could look forward in a few years' time And for our visitor, our economy, what would your aspiration and and hope be for what we could rebuild to again? Well, I would hope that as we look forward, we aspire to rebuild to where we were, but with really strong foundations. And, you know, every crisis is also an opportunity to learn what might we change, what might we never lose sight of and not you know, do differently because it's worked so well for us. But, you know, where might we want to also learn from the past and and make sure that we can feed that learning into the future? I do believe that Tasmania will continue to be what I call the jewel in the crown of Australia on the international visitor market, but also nationally. I don't think this um, terrible pandemic has changed the heart of who we are and what we have to offer um, in a visitor economy. But I do think what we'll be able to do is rebuild, pulling together the threads of the strongest parts of the industry and really making sure those strong foundations will underpin that. And, you know, specifically, that's everything from looking at the employment and training models that sit around a large industry sector like this. But it's also making sure where we've got regions, for example, like the east coast of Tasmania, um, which is highly dependent on tourism, in fact, the fifth most dependent region in the country country that we can we can put some sort of resilience and buffer zone around that so that we're more prepared for future shocks and mm. I think the reality for everyone is not just tourism but more broadly we will be living in a world where a pandemic 
scenario like we've just experienced may become more of a norm. We hope we hope not, but that is a reality. Mm. So how do we buffer proof ourselves as a visitor economy, as a Tasmanian economy and socially for the people that really matter in our state so that we have strong mechanisms in place? If I can ask you to be a bit parochial now, what role do you ah. think the East Coast <laughs> will play in our rebuild, especially perhaps when Tasmanians are able to safely move around again, which could be in the next few weeks. Yeah, look, I am biased and I'm really happy to play out my bias. <laughs> Absolutely. Right now you are okay to I, do that. <laughs> I think the East Coast, and I genuinely believe this, I think we will be the leader in that space. The beaches, the national parks, the wilderness, those local personalities, niche wineries and cafes in conjunction with mountain biking, they're all the things that Tasmanians have just been hanging out for. And they're all things you can do on low income and high income. So the diversity of that range of um, family-based school holiday opportunities all the way through to really high-end experiences is exactly what the East Coast has. And what we have are these wide open spaces and incredible views I've always thought the greatest thing about the coast is that it's so different in winter to summer, but it's equally beautiful and there's nothing more perfect than a crisp winter walk on an east coast beach so Mm. yeah definitely think we'll lead that space in the recovery i can't wait for that i I must (laughs) admit and where will be the first spot that you'll be revisiting once you're able to move around again do you have a a particular spot that you're longing for I absolutely do. So I mostly live at Swansea now um, and I've spent my time up and down the coast. But my childhood childhood heart sits at Four Mile Creek. It's where my mum's family, all my aunties and uncles had shacks and we spent a lot of childhood summers and winters growing up at, you know, amongst the shacks of my mum's family. Um, and in fact, one of my aunties still lives there today. She's the last of my family connection there. So Nothing grounds me more than the sand and the beach and the ocean on Four Mile, uh, Four Mile Creek. And I've also just bought a very high insulated new wetsuit, so I'm really <laughs> keen to get into the ocean and test out some winter ocean swimming and potentially Honeymoon Bay at Coles Bay might yeah, be gorgeous. I, Quintessentially I Tasmanian in your wetsuit in the in the winter and the sea. Pretty so. much. <laughs> That's it. That's exactly right. Uh, well, look, thank you, um, Kim, for, for joining us. And we really do look forward to, to seeing the Council's work, but also continuing to work closely with the East Coast Regional Tourism Organisation as we move through the recovery phase. Thanks for joining us. Thanks very much, Amy. So next I'm speaking with Paul Seaman, who is the Chair of Tourism Northern Tasmania. Paul, thanks for joining us. Thanks, Amy. Great to be with you. Maybe if I take you back to to pre-COVID-19, I know that you and your board had some pretty strong and and clearly articulated plans for the North. You'd come off a, a year of hosting the Australian Tourism Awards and you had a clear plan for the year ahead, didn't you? Yeah, we did. And I think you're right, sort of 2019 was framed up as the year of the North and, and it certainly lived up to those expectations. Then if I think back to some of our discussions back in January, it was really about 
Building on those strong foundations and TNT continuing to be the leading voice and trusted partner of industry and really delivering on that up here, we recognise that at much of our existing destination priorities were largely well placed and to take us forward, but added some um, focus around building some true community connection with the visitor economy and I guess embracing some of that Tasmanianness and building on the sustainability of, um, of what we were about. So, look, it was uh, quite a good, clear plan. We were excited about it. We were, we were really pleased with our cool season strategy, which had seen um, uh, that, that traditional lower period through the winter months sort of come to life across the north and, and seen that uh, really be a success for not only operators um, within Launceston, but some of the greater regions as well. Um, we'd started to see agritourism into our conversation and we'd started to sort of make sure we were staying focused on the Indigenous heritage and, and the culture and being sensitive to that and and expand on that conversation. So I guess really um, it's interesting that despite all of the disruption we've had over the last six to eight weeks and the genuinely unique situation we find ourselves in, is much of that is much of that strategy and thought process is quite still relevant. Mm. We're probably set to relaunch a holiday campaign at home in the winter months, showcasing all the great reasons why Northern Taz is, is good in winter. Um, you know, all our all our wine and, and food regions remain a rich part of what we are up here. And even the cool season strategy, so certainly while it's not relevant right now and, and in the immediate recovery, certainly in terms of a longer-term strategy play, it remains a cornerstone of trying to even out that that seasonality up here. Mm, it's interesting, isn't it? Because I was just talking with Kim Goods and, and she also made the point that, you know, sticking to strategy, even though we've had this, you know, unprecedented situation, there are a lot of those pillars that still remain true for the regions. Oh, exactly right. And I thought I'd call back to when I um, spoke at the Champion of Tourism's uh, event uh, late last year, you know, certainly we commented on the fact that our destination management priorities, some of them are really quite timeless and, and it's key that I think we don't tend to confuse the market by by chopping and changing despite all the uh, the disruption that's been around us. So, Paul, can you take me through, you're obviously involved in being a leader in our visitor economy, but you're also involved in the industry as well. Can you take listeners through your journey through COVID-19? How has it been playing that that leadership role, but also being impacted and managing a business at the same time? Yeah, look, quite remarkable. Um, and my day job, if you like, is an accommodation hotelier and, and I lead a, a hotel in the north and, and a group of hotels through the state, both with accommodation and, and food and beverage operations. So really, COVID struck right at the heart of what we do. And, and in many ways, we were at the coalface of, of COVID as it, as it unfolded through the community. And look at our industry is built on people gathering and sharing and moving around and, and, and really that's what COVID has affected people being able to do. So I guess in some odd way, though, we were fortunate that we had some clear guidelines very early on. So I guess we're one of the industries that were very quickly given guidelines in terms of what we could do. We were very quickly restricted in trade. So in some ways, that gave us a, a clear roadmap of what we could and couldn't do and, and made some, were able to make some pretty quick business decisions through that. I think that two-week period from the 13th of March, that fortnight, I think everyone's going to remember as being some of the most tumultuous and stressful and engaged times in our industry and we've just had to work through so many moving parts through that through that time and I guess the standout memory through that is just how committed every individual and stakeholder and our teams were across that that period and really engaged and committed to taking any short-term measures they could to try and protect the longer-term viability of, of a business or the industry that we're mm. in and, and having to take some pretty challenging decisions in the short term. How has the Northern Tasmanian industry 
come together during this time? How have you seen the industry collaborate or or, or support each other? Um, examples of of resilience, um, because we've seen some amazing things, haven't we? Oh, indeed, we have. And I think at, at the heart of our industry, we've always been um, very very collaborative. I think throughout the north, and I think throughout all of industry across um, across hospitality, we're always keen to pick up the phone and, and chat to what some might see as a competitor, but we certainly see as a, as a partner in business and, and throughout the, the broader visitor economy. I think in terms of the examples of resilience, there's the, the obvious ones of restaurants that have changed tact and, and done some takeaway or, or changed the way that they serve. And particularly now as we reopen, people are starting to um, change the way they present their, their restaurant and their food offering. And, and to be honest, I think some of that is really industry having the chance to reinvent itself now in a way that will make, make it more sustainable in the long term. Mm. I think there's probably some elements of resilience and some examples that, that might not be that obvious um, or that well-known or seen. And, and that's the, the individual operator or the smaller business that really has had to work with closely with their team members and work out how they can keep them safe and um, and housed and, and looked after through this time and also the decisions that people have made behind the scenes to ensure that their own business is sustainable in the long term. And, and sometimes that might mean not reopening. Sometimes that might mean taking a different tact or, or, or doing something that perhaps isn't in the mainstream or that obvious to others, but still is requiring a, a heap of resilience and a bucket load of courage. Mm. And what has been, and when I say TNT, Tourism Northern Tasmania, what's been, I guess, your focus over this time and then what will it be over the ensuing weeks and months? Yeah, sure. Look, I think the board very quickly got together and, and the exec team very quickly got together and had a good clarity of focus in what we needed to do. And, and early on, our focus was certainly connecting with the industry and the people of the industry and supporting them. If I remember to one of the very first discussions we had as this unfolded, it was very much that people's mental health and, and people's ability to walk through this as a person was something that we needed to be very conscious and aware of from the get-go, ensuring that the information that we passed on was was true and accurate and, and really in many ways just being a vehicle for the information that was coming through from tourism to as the state government and not trying to put a, a spin on it or, or take a different tack, but really trying to keep that as clear as we could for everybody because the information was hard enough to understand anyway without confusing the message. Really making sure we stay close to our partners, TICT, THA and Tourism TAS and of course government and state growth. Mm. to pass on the concerns and challenges and questions that we were seeing. And likewise, we've been using this time to make sure we reflect on our strategies and what will be important for the North and the tourism in the North, not only right now, but also as we emerge through this in the different stages of, of the crisis. And I think we're all feeling um, a bit of a sense of relief at the moment with the number of caseload or cases that are declining and in the state and, and the ability to start to look forward to some sense of recovery. So we've also been mindful to stay connected with our broader partners, so particularly our local government partners, our regional economic bodies like the NTDC and Chamber of Commerce and, and just making sure that tourism remains a key support in the recovery from COVID across our communities and economy. Paul, what about Tasmania's north? What is it that makes it special and how will those attributes put it in, in good stead, I guess, as, as Tasmanians are able to move around again and see more of their state? Yeah, look, I think the north has a real authenticity about it and that's something that we certainly value across the industry. I think uh, we've got certainly some iconic landmarks. We've got the Cataract Gorge. We've got some fantastic wineries. Um, we've got some great mountain biking trails. So there's some of those, I guess, really iconic places, I think, Beyond that, there's also um, that real 
ability for people to to feel their sense of Tasmanianness up here in the north and connect with people. I think that understated nature of it all really speaks to that quiet pursuit of the extraordinary tag that resonates so so closely with us all. We quite quietly and pragmatically go about about trying to do that and, and be an extraordinary place to be and visit. And I think when Tasmanians from other regions who visit, who maybe haven't been here for a while, will, sit, will have that strong sense of authenticity and purpose and something they'll take away and, and perhaps want to come back to. And I think that that coming back to is a key point as well. Our recovery from this, particularly in the immediate term, is going to rely on us um, through the community, ensuring that we encourage people not to visit just once. Mm, um, absolutely. Or out of isolation, but also to come back again and again and continue to spread our wings throughout the state. And as a, a Launceston girl myself, I, I absolutely I absolutely love it and, and can vouch for um, a, a good trip to, to Launceston and surrounds. Hey, what, what's your thoughts around how the industry can work together in the north to collectively, I guess, market yourself as a region? Yeah, I think it's just connecting those experiences. And again, it's um, it's working alongside each other and understanding that recommending each other is key in what we do. There is such a, a connectedness amongst the north. It's it's quite a broad space in Tassie when you consider you've got some great coastline up through through the north of Georgetown and Mohead, right down to some really great agricultural and some great heritage stuff right through the Midlands Highway. So it's making sure that we understand that and communicate uh, clearly as an industry in the north that really we've got a lot that people can connect with. We've got some great short walks out beyond the valley and we've got some, you know, as I said before, some great mountain biking trails as well through the through the north of the state. So add that into the, the rich urban lifestyle of Launceston. And I think if we stay connected and, and continue to talk about what's great about up here, we'll, we'll do really, really well. So, hey, before I, I finish, I wanted to ask you about, you know, your aspiration for the future and your hope for the future as we re, as we rebuild. What are you hoping for for us as an industry and, and uh, Northern Tasmania's role in that? Yeah, look, I think I certainly hope that we don't forget some of the lessons that we were very quickly starting to learn as this unfolded. Um, the ability to continue to measure ourselves in different ways and not just about, yes, numbers or yield, but also a quality experience and making sure that we hold on to that um, moving forward that we have other ways that we can measure our success as a visitor economy, not just in those numbers. Um, I think we need to continue to work through broadly amongst, you know, the sustainability nature. And that's more than just, you know, what we send to landfill or whether we have plastic bottles, but how we make our workforce sustainable and, and how we make our businesses sustainable through the through the future. And um, I think Tassie will stay true to itself. It's it's the state that I think has weathered um, so many challenges through its its history. And, and I think, again, that, that brand and that essence of who we are is so strongly reflected in that. And finally, when we are able to move around again and safely, and, and we're hoping that that could be in the next couple of weeks, do you have a special spot where you or the family will be heading when you're able? Yeah, look, it's really hard to pick just one. So I'm <laughs> yes, going to cheat. Th- thought it might be. <laughs> <laughs> look, our, our first stop has got to be Swansea. We, we love it down there. It's nice and close. It's easy to get to. Yeah. We had a great family holiday down at White Beach last year and, and we're itching to get back down there. And, and of course, the West Coast and it, its ruggedness always pulls at the heartstrings and it'll be great too when we've got some time to get further afield and feel like we've taken a real break from, from civilization or or the, the, the mad rush of life. It'll be great to get across there at some stage in the near future too. 
Yeah, look, there's always, I think the message is there's just always more that we as Tasmanians can explore and uncover, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. Even in our own backyard. Indeed, and, and even in, in within our regions as well and, and the day trips and the bits and pieces we can do, I think there's more and more that you uncover as you drive around this great state. And that will be our collective challenge, Tourism Tas and, and the regional tourism organisations in the in the weeks and months ahead to not only, as you say, get people out once, but to get them out repeatedly and get people coming back. Thanks for joining us today, Paul. Good luck with your leadership of of the North and working with the the broader team. And um, we look forward to chatting with you in the future. Thanks, Amy. Really appreciate it. All the best. You've been listening to Talking Tourism, brought to you by Tourism Industry Council Tasmania. For show notes, other materials and episodes, head to tict.com.au. Be sure to come back every fortnight for a new instalment of Talking Tourism. 